I could I could take you back to the exact tile I was standing on in the, in the middle of the market, and I got a vision, and I saw it, a bar with black walls and, and sports flowers everywhere. I saw behind the bar, I saw all the bottles behind the bar, I saw the front doors, and I saw three round windows. And it just set me back. I was like, wow, this is mad. What, what is that? And uh, then a couple of days later, my phone went. There's a guy called Bill. All right, Wayne, it's Bill. I said, hello, Bill. He said, hey, you're looking for a bar, aren't you? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he said, okay, where is it? I said, it's in Patch, which is um, one, of the, one of the places I wanted to be in. He's gone, I'll meet you outside. I said, okay. So I went and I met him and I got out of my car and he was standing there but outside this bar with three round windows. I was like, oh my God. He said, do you want to go inside? I said, yeah, I'll go inside, but I'll, I'll take it. He said, what do you mean you'll take it? I said, no, this is for me. This is, I want this bar. And I think to this day, per square meter, there'll, there'll never be a busier bar than what Lineker's was between 1987 and the year 2000. Welcome to the Eventful Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Dodge, and I'm the CEO and founder of the Bournemouth Sevens Festival and the revolutionary Event Crowd, our new online events course. On this podcast, I speak to fascinating people who have all lived eventful lives. So if you want to hear more like this, make sure you subscribe, leave us a glowing review, and you can follow me on Instagram at Dodge Woodall. I reply to every single message. We've covered the opportunities and pitfalls of having a famous footballing brother in a previous episode. But Wayne Lineker is possibly the living embodiment of the pros and cons of being on the edge of the limelight. While his brother Gary rose to the prominence in the England team, Wayne set out to make something of himself and become more than just Gary's brother. Over 30 years later, he's launched hugely popular and successful bars and clubs in Ibiza, Tenerife and Marbella, and has broken out of the box so many have put him in. However, scrutiny and online abuse has followed him throughout and he's now on a mission to stamp out harmful behaviour on social media. This is the eventful life of Mr Wayne Lineker. Wayne, welcome to the show, mate. Thank you, Dodge. Happy to be here. Fantastic. Whereabouts in the world are you at the minute? I am in the Ocean Beach offices in Ibiza. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Right, let's get cracking. Let's go all the way, let's go all the way back. Um, where did you grow up? I was born in Leicester. Um, and I, I was raised there till I was 26 years old. I, I left Leicester to go to Tenerife. Straight away? You left literally Leicester straight to Tenerife? Yeah, well, um, I left school at, um, I was 14 actually, a few days before my 15th birthday. And I went on the markets, fruit and veg with my dad, um, which was a great experience. Yeah, the best man. education of, of my life, to be honest. And uh, yeah, my dad taught me a lot. And um, I was on the markets, fruit and veg for 12 years. And then when I was 26, well, I was 25, when I decided what I wanted to do, um, the markets were taking a tumble because all the supermarkets started opening. Yeah. People stopped coming to the city centre for their fruit. That decline made me realise that the future is not in market trading. Yeah. I had a very famous brother at the time. We shared the same second name. So I had an idea of going to Tenerife and opening a bar and calling it Lineker's. The rest is history. Happy days, mate. So what, what what did you learn as a trader, market trader? To know what the public want, you know. Um, even, a, even, a, even a conversation or a product or the way they want to be treated, um, the market gave me that education. Um, 
I've carried that through all my career now yeah. and uh, probably the best thing I've ever learned in my life. And learn how yeah. to market and learn how to buy and sell and keep people happy. A win-win situation, right? And take a bit of profit too. Yeah, That'd happy be nice. days. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Yeah, it's, it's, it, the markets was 100% a massive education for me. Yeah. And um, I didn't realise at the time how much he actually taught me. I wish I could go back and tell him and be grateful for it. But um, yeah, it's only come ever later in life that I've realised what he actually did for me. Yeah, you know? proper life lessons, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Did, uh, did, did your brother work on the markets? No, it's way too cold. <laughs> did you play football growing up with him? Yeah, we were, we were inseparable when we were younger. We played everything together, cricket, tennis, fucking uh, table tennis, football, obviously. And yeah, we were con- continually playing sports together and... Um, yeah, and I was actually quite advanced in my younger days at football. I played a year above me um, for the county. And so we played in the same team there and weekends. And so, yeah. Were you a, were, do you think you were a better player than Gary growing up? Well, Gary did make a quote in his book that his brother had more skill than his little toe he had in his whole body. So <laughs> my problem was I never had the I never had the mental attitude for it. I, I wasn't. I wasn't focused or dedicated on it. Um, I just wanted to be out with my mates. And yeah. So I was training at Leicester City Football Club when I was 14, uh, 13 to 14. Um, after school, couldn't be bothered to go. Didn't want to train, just wanted to play, yeah. that sort of thing. Same with cricket. Yeah, I'm one of them that just wants to turn up and play. They don't want to, I don't want to do all the hard all the work. graft. What yeah. did you see as growing up, though, as... You growing up as brothers, did you see your brother really excel at a younger age, knowing that he wasn't drinking and partying and having a good time? Yeah, we were, we're completely different. Um, you know, chalk and cheese, me and Gary. I was like, even in the early days, I still had this, I don't know, mindset of just wanting to enjoy myself. Don't, don't care about the future. Don't care about anything. And um, whereas Gary was, you know, he was very, he was very skinny when he was little and, um, and Lester wanted to put him on a, an egg and steak diet. And he stuck by it for weeks and weeks and months. And, and you know, so focused. He'd be in his room reading books and I'll be out down the skating rink with my mates. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to Gary, he deserved it. You know, he's totally dedicated and committed to his sport. Yeah. Did you did you go to all the matches with him? Were you like going to all the home games at Leicester or on Tottenham? Number one fan, yeah. Everywhere. I went to... I even went to Japan to watch him, and really? yeah, I mean, it's it's an amazing thing seeing your brother walk the England team out at Wembley in front of a hundred thousand people. Um, yeah, so that was an amazing experience. Wow! So when you were so you were on the market trade, you're earning a pound note, you're living living the party life and fun life and and grafting, and your brother's going up in the the old Premier League, etc. Cetera, et cetera. What was the turning point for you? You said, right, I need to get out of Leicester now, and I need to make a proper career. Yeah, I, I don't know really. Like I said before, the fact that the markets were taking a tumble, um, I knew that wasn't my future. I always fancied opening a bar. Um, my my wife's parents at the time lived in Tenerife. We used to visit a lot, uh, so I used to know all the guys and the people that own the business out there. And it just seemed like the natural move for me. And um, and I went and did it. I opened Linica's in Tenerife in 1987. Phenomenal success from day one. And what was that? What was the idea when you went to Tenerife? Were you literally gone the idea saying, I've got, I haven't got a clue about bars, but I'm going to go and open a bar? Yeah, well, there's a story. Um, I walked, so when I decided to leave, I told my dad and he got really upset. Um, 
obviously because I was leaving the business and um, you know venturing out something completely new. He was obviously worried for me, um, but I had it in my mind. And then one morning, two weeks before I was leaving to Tenerife, I walked to get a sausage and tomato cob, which is a roll, which yeah, is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With brown sauce and pepper, beautiful. And I walked to the I walked to the cafe. It was like I don't know eight nine in the morning. We just set the stall out, and I got stopped in my tracks. I could I could take you back to the exact tile I was standing on in the in the middle of the market, and I got a vision, and I saw it. Um, I saw a bar with black walls and and sports flowers everywhere. I saw behind the bar. I saw all the bottles behind the bar. I saw the front doors and I saw three round windows. And it just set me back. I was like, wow, this is mad. What, what is that? Yeah. And then I had it. And then I went to Tenerife and I was actually there for like six weeks. Couldn't find anything. And, um, but yeah, the three round windows. So my phone went. And I'm, I'm, at this point, I'm thinking I've made a mistake. I need to go back to England, get my market business back. Um, you know, it's, I've, I've made a bad decision. I was really panicking. And um, I phoned my dad. He said, stick it out, son, stick it out. You know, you made that decision now. You've got to go with it. You'll be okay. And uh, then a couple of days later, my phone went. There's a guy called Bill. He said, all right, wait, it's Bill. I said, hello, Bill. So said, I've, um, I've got a... Property, I think you're interested in. You might be interested in. He said, "Are you looking for a bar, aren't you?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So he said, "Okay, where is it?" I said, he said, "It's in Patch, which is um, one of the one of the places I wanted to be in at that time." And he called me and he said, um, "He's gone. I'll meet you outside." I said, "Okay." So I went and I met him and I got out of my car and he was standing there, but outside this bar with three round windows that I saw. <laughs> Quality. And um, I was like, oh, my God. He said, do you want to go inside? I said, yeah, I'll go inside, but I'll, I'll take it. He said, what do you mean you'll take it? I said, no, this is for me. This is, I want this bar. And uh, we walked inside. It was exactly the same shape I saw in my vision. Um, the maddest thing ever. And, um, yeah, and uh, I took it, and then we did it up, and it looked exactly the same as what I, I saw in my vision. It was mad. Right. And uh, I was there seven months and it was just too busy. So we found a new location, which was near Veronica's in Tenerife and uh, we moved there. And yeah, it's a crazy thing. And then it was just a phenomenal success. Lineker's was just amazing, yeah. you know. Um, and I think to this day, per square meter, there'll, there'll never be a busier bar than what Lineker's was between 1987 and the year 2000. Wow, fair play to you, mate. And have you, have you still got that today? 34 years old, wow. that bar. Still going strong. Nice, nice. And what was the what was the thought process? What was the thought process after that to go, right, I want to get another one in another country or another island? What was the, what was the mindset? Yeah, we started opening Linicas everywhere. Gran Canaria, Ayanapa, um, Fuengirola, Marbella. Um, yeah, they're not all still there now. Um, we've still got Linicas Ibiza, Marbella and Tenerife. Wow. And... Yeah, it's, um, I mean, the bar culture's changed a lot, yeah. you know. So back in the day, everyone used to meet in the bars before they go to the club. Yeah. There was no daytime venues back then, you know, it didn't, it didn't exist. And um, later, as it got on through the years, daytime venues started opening. 
and then so we thought we need to get in on this and so we, we you know we opened up obviously ocean beach and um what my point is the bars are never be the same as they were because yeah. because people are getting wasted in the day they're getting they're getting drunk in the day they're spending all the money in the daytime they're going home for a kit before they go to the clubs yeah. um so yeah, the the money side of things has gone really from the bar trade. It's still okay, yeah. but years ago it was amazing. But um, but I guess that's the same as in the UK in the sort of two thousand and eight when the smoking ban come in. That had a knock on effect. All of a sudden, the late license, all the bars were staying open till one o'clock. So you know, back in the day, people would drink from seven pm till eleven pm and then shoot into the clubs. Did you yeah. notice that when you, did you notice that in the islands as well? Yeah, like I say, it just. It just changed because everyone was steaming in the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. So from Tenerife, what was the mindset to go? Did you say, right, I want to go open up another club in the different islands? And what did you learn from that that you wouldn't do today? Good question. I mean, I've opened some places with, in wrong locations, you know, um, which I wouldn't do again. When they say location, 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 it's absolutely right. Yeah. You know, Unless you've got something incredible, you have to be on the beaten track, you know, you have to be in, in, in amongst it. And um, obviously I've learned a lot, a lot along the way. I mean, the more, the more money the mistakes cost you, the faster you learn. Yeah, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be in the position I am. And uh, I've got good partners around me now with Tony Truman and my son and Maxi, et cetera. But um, we're pretty wise now. We've made all the mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Mate, you've, you've done a fabulous job up to now. And I'm sure there's been loads of mistakes along the way that, that you've, that you've, you've, recreated and that's why you've created such an empire as you have now mate which is hats off to you most businesses have got a business brand and they've got a personal brand but with you do you find it's intertwined because of your surname years and years ago it used to be i couldn't get rid of the gary lineker's brother tag which years and years to get rid of um no offense to gary but you know gary doesn't really get mentioned anymore I'm, everyone knows i'm his brother but um so i've seen a big shift there but yeah i enjoy my social media it's, um something you know, I spend a lot of time on, but I enjoy it, so. What's your experience of online abuse, Wayne? I mean, I've took abuse for, for 30 years now, you know, from day one, being Gary's brother, blah, 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 and you're, you're only, you've only done well because of Gary, because of his name and this, that, and the other, you know, so it's just, it's just been a long battle for me. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very thick-skinned, so it doesn't, doesn't really affect me personally, but. What, what social media platform do you like and which ones don't you like? I love Instagram, Twitter. I can't stand it. No, it's, it's it's depressing. You know, I don't I don't even post on there hardly ever now. If I do, I turn my comments off. Just started TikTok, and I found a similar feedback on on TikTok. You know, a lot of abuse, and so I've gone to turn my comments off there now. But Instagram's Instagram's my place, and I love it. I know you say you, you know you don't like your family reading. I wouldn't like it. You know, you've got lovely daughters and lovely sons and what have you, but. Be honest with me. Does it hurt you when you read that abuse? You personally? It doesn't hurt me. I just don't understand it. You know, I don't understand it. I know, I know I made some controversial posts in the past. Sometimes I may go a bit above the edge and that's when it starts. And then once you get some abuse and there's, there's a reason behind it or what they think is a reason, then it will spread like wildfire. It'll go viral. You know, I've gone viral. I've, I've, I've um, trended on Twitter. I think five times in the last year, never for anything good, always for something negative. <laughs> um, it was never meant to be, you know, like pushing the girls in the pool video. I, I trended for 48 hours on that. Yeah. They were all my friends. It was a, it was a retake of an old dating show. 
Um, so you push a girl in the pool. Yeah, I see it. And it was just fun. They're all they're all grown up girls. But the fact that one woman picked up on Twitter that Wayne Lineker pushing young girls in the pool by their tits. <laughs> all the haters got on board and they just went mad. But um, but yeah, it's what I woke up in the morning. I'm like, I've got the hundred messages on WhatsApp. And what's it what's it like? We're talking about the social media thing. What's it like with the press? When the press grabs hold of something and puts it all over the papers in the UK? I mean, the whole thing that sparked me off was to start my No Excuse for Abuse campaign was a post by Ali Ross from The Sun. When I came out of the Celebs Go Dating mansion, um, there was an article about me and it was by Ali Ross and he said that Wayne Lineker should change his name to Wayne Kerr. And I'm thinking, and it was double page, all saying I'm too old for Celebs Go Dating, this, that, whatever, blah, 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 just slagging me off. And I'm thinking, these guys have got the biggest platform to stop this abuse yeah. and yet encourage it. I mean, that is online That is online abuse or media abuse. You know, Wayne should change his name to Wanker. I mean, I was like, wow, this is mad. So that's what's really sparked me off to open, um, to start the No Excuse for Abuse campaign. Yeah. And what, how do you honestly feel when you see that, that headline? It must affect you for 24 hours or 48 hours. I don't think you can just brush it off, surely. I do brush it off, to be honest. I do. Um, it even makes me laugh at times. Yeah. But it's not. But the reason I started the campaign is because I've lost close friends, you know, Caroline Flack. Yeah. Um, you know, my ex-girlfriend, Sophie Graydon, she took her own life from, from online abuse. So it's these people that have got a weaker mentality than I have that I'm trying to protect. And, and I'm trying to protect the young people that are growing up in this world, that are venturing into social media, opening... Instagram accounts to become to become you know an influencer you know um, but what's wrong with that it's a, it's a career and it's a job that they enjoy and it's a, it's an easy way to make good money so but if if they're going to get abuse from from an early from from early you know it could affect them mentally it depends how strong they are mentally so I just felt that I needed to do something to protect these people and help these people that are, the younger people that are coming up into this social media world and to try and understand it that yeah it's, it's it's a tragic thing um but it is hurtful to some people it, it it really really is hurtful but to me personally I'm okay with it but I'm trying to protect others um and do something about it yeah do you think you're? Do you think you're mis, mis, uh, misconstrued at all? Are you the hundred percent Wayne Lineker that's on Instagram, or is that like a character? Of course, it's a little bit of a character. Um, I have tamed my social media now. You know, I'm not doing all the posts with all the girls around me anymore. And but all I all I ever do is have a laugh, really. You know, it's not really. It's all tongue in cheek banter for me. Even my criteria post that went viral, um, it was just a joke. You know, and that that was just. That was just crazy, you know. Um, but yeah, it was just a laugh. Yeah. So you've been in. So you... I'm learning to just to not step over the line. Just tone it down a bit. I think. I think. I think there'll be a lot of. Uh, I think there'll be a lot of jealous blokes out there, eh? Yeah, I don't know. You know, there's there's a lot of love as well. Yeah. Uh, which all the lads like. Yeah, go on, Wayne. You know, blah blah blah. But it's this. It's a small percent that will create will create this negative, like, burst of fucking just bad stuff, you know, and, um, yeah. So let's, let's move on. You've got the, the Lineker's bars at the moment. You've got, name name the places where you've got the three. Um, Ibiza, Marbella, and 
Tenerife. They're the three that have stood the test of time. Resorts changed. They, you know, I opened a bar in Calador years. It was supposed to be the up and coming place, but it never happened. And, you know, that was another mistake. In a place like that, Aya Napa, uh, we opened there and it used to be amazing there. And it was in the, I think it was the year 2002 or 2004. And as soon as we opened, they announced there was a war. And the British Army bases were based in in Cyprus near Ionapa. So the tourism stopped going there because the travel agent said you shouldn't go there, but well, it's dangerous. But well, and then it just just never took off really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're the three that stood the test of time and uh, still going strong. Right, brilliant. And just for the listeners to understand, how would you explain what the Lineker's brand is and the bars? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously sports related. Um, but it's about having a good time, dancing on the tables, dancing on the chairs. You know, way back in the day, in, when I first opened, I, I had a look around and I was like, it was at a time when all the all the door the doormen were getting aggressive. And, and I was thinking, how can you invite these people in your bar, get them pissed, and then throw them out in the street like they're, like they're filth, you know? I'm like, this, this is not right. So my door policy was the first thing I addressed, to be nice to people, to... You know, if they're in trouble or they're drunk, you know, help them get a cab, put them in the cab, make sure they get home okay, and instead of being aggressive and horrible. And I was like, and also, why why throw people out because they're dancing on the on the tables and chairs? So I decided to to let people dance on the tables, almost encourage it. So we were encouraging people on top of the bar top, this that, and the other. It just went mad. And everyone had such a good time. And all the other places were throwing people out for doing the same thing. So everyone was coming to Lineker's. It was crazy. Um, I think that was the secret to the success originally, yeah. Where do, where do you base yourself these days, Wayne? I'm in London in the winter and Ibiza in the summer. Okay. And you prefer Ibiza to the other islands? I prefer Ibiza to anywhere in the world. Yeah, mate. Join the club. Tell me, tell me the story how Ocean Beach come along. I was actually sat in a swimming pool with Tony Truman. Um, and he actually said to me, and... He said, we, Wayne, we need to open a beach club in, in Ibiza. I said, yeah, it sounds good to me. And we had a few drinks and we're chatting and, you know, and then we decided that's what that's the route we want to take. And then he, a few weeks later, when I got back to Ibiza, he said, he, he phoned me, he said, Wayne, I found it. I've got the location. I went, have you? He said, I'll see you there. I said, 10 minutes later, I met him. And I was like, and we stood on the top of the road and it was an old wedding venue, like a Spanish restaurant. They did weddings and uh, just all grass. And it was like, you know, like when a, a Spanish family's getting a bit older, they're sort of not putting their effort into it. And, yeah. But the location was absolutely amazing. So we said, like, let's let's go for it. So we, we ended up doing a deal for the for the for the venue. And what year are we talking here, Wayne? 2012 or 2011 when we looked at it we looked at it and we thought it's not big enough because originally it was only the two-thirds of it and then there's another restaurant at the side of it so he did his own work and it turned out that the same family owned it and so we did a deal on the two and then we knocked it all down it was like it's like a football pitch like oh my god too big um, but yeah and then and then we designed it and tony did his magic and and uh, my son, obviously, Dwayne, who's, who's my partner in Ocean, you know, we all chipped in and, 
yeah, we came up with the perfect, I think the perfect concept. We yeah. took Vegas, we took a lot of things from all types of places, beach clubs across the world, and we put it all into one. And um, and then, yeah, then Ocean Beach was born. Amazing, mate. Amazing. I've had some cracking times there with True. What's the, uh, tell me, how long did it take to break the back of that business model? Obviously, you've gone from clubs, nighttime, yeah. all of a sudden we're going daytime, we're going midday to midnight now. Tell me that business model. Um, I don't know. It was, it's pretty easy, really. You know, just let people have a good time. Let, I mean, the setup, the setup of the venue was was more down to Tony. Um, so that's his that's his thing. Thank God he, for once in his life, he never put pink in the venue. But, <laughs> but the colours, the colours are amazing, and yeah, the 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 logo just was been so powerful over the years. Yeah. But it's just. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It just happened naturally, really. I think the set out of the venue made it the perfect socialising place. The dance floor was in the right place. The DJ box was in the right place. Yeah, we couldn't we couldn't have asked for more, really. Yeah, and just explain just explain. You've got a massive pool in the middle, and there's what? How many daybeds have you got there where people are plunked on the daybeds? Bottles of champagne and vodka and beers being brought to them. About 100, 186 beds or tables, which is crazy, and you you can't get. 2009, you couldn't get a bed. It's not one day we didn't sell out. It's, it's just progressed so fast. And and what is it? Do you say it's 2,000 capacity daytime from midday to midnight? No, we're not. We're not allowed them numbers. But um, yeah, we 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 try and keep to capacity, which is uh, around 1,400. Happy days. And how how many years? Obviously, to, obviously to break the back of this kind of business model. There's a lot of outlay. You put a lot of money up front. There's probably investors been involved. How many years did it take to to break the back of it? Go. You know what? Everyone in England loves this place. Probably, I don't know. It just happened very, I think, thank you, Instagram um, and social media. You know, people were coming here, taking their, having their picture taken and it became a big thing. And people were having such a good time. They were, they, were, they were letting other people know on social media how great it was. And it just, you know, I don't think we've really advertised it at all, but, but it, Social media just absolutely smashed it for us, you know. It was like, and obviously my social media was uh, a big part of it. And, um, but yeah, uh, thank you, Instagram. Yeah, mate, join the club, mate. It's amazing, isn't it? And it's free. It's free, yeah. Yeah. What's the, uh, every, so we're talking like you started in 2012, we're now 2021, so it's been going a good nine, nine, ten years. Tenth year next year, yeah, anniversary. Fantastic. And how many years to break the back, do you reckon? Three, four, five? Not even that, really. Two, three years. Um, the first year was was still more than we expected. And then the second year got busier. The third year, we're like, wow, this is it. This is the one. Yeah. And uh, just got stronger and stronger and stronger. Yeah, brilliant. And it's very British, isn't it? Yeah, very British. <laughs> I mean, Antonio is very British. So, um, you know, people said to us, this will never work in San Antonio. Never work. You've got no chance. And... Um, and the same people come up to me this day and go, I knew this would do well. Yeah. Um, Funny, isn't it? It's, it is probably 95% British, yeah. Just before we finish off, mate, let's just give us a little, give us a little lowdown of the uh, Celebs Go Dating. What did that, what did that involve? Um, yeah, obviously we lived in a mansion for four weeks. Um, probably the best four weeks of my life, to be honest. I had such a great time. And um, obviously I'm, I'm friends with all the, all this, all the, Celebs, they call them. I don't like calling myself a celeb. Um, that we lived in the house, and then 
in another bedroom the other side of the house it was all the singles that kept coming and changing every few days and yeah it was a really exciting time and to experience all the production side of things and yeah it was a really good experience for me and i really enjoyed it yeah good for you mate good for you you built a wonderful uh, brand in the lineker's bars and I'm, I'm really happy the ocean beach club's going to come back with a bang this summer yes let's hope so i'm uh yeah it's just a waiting game, you know. We're waiting now, you know. Just want to, like everybody else in the UK, they just want to go away, go away and have a good time and enjoy the sunshine, enjoy the vibe. Wayne, you're a gentleman, mate. Thoroughly enjoyed this. Yes, Dodge. Good, good man. man. You take care.